0: Welcome to another issue of A Priest, a Rabbi, and a Minister Walk Into a Radio Station. It's great to be here with you today as we record. It is Wednesday morning in October, and the sun is shining, but rain is expected, so we'll see how the day holds. I'm Dr. Pandora Carlucci, and I'm here with Jay Horrigan. Jay, you want to say good morning?
1: Good morning, Pandora. How are you today?
0: I'm I'm doing fine. And uh, I wanted to add with Jay that uh, Jay also broadcasts sports for Franklin TV and radio. And they have a new venture and they continue to support families and students and the community with different broadcasts. And Jay, could you talk about that just a spec?
1: Certainly, I, I'd love to. We... we uh, started on Monday with an attempt to carry the boys' soccer game live uh, so people could either listen to it on the radio or they could stream it. And literally, they could do that all over the country. And this is because of everything that's going on. Uh, high school is limited as to the number of people that can come and watch a game. So we're doing it for both the Franklin teams and whoever they happen to be playing uh, this week, we are working with Milford because that's who their opponents are. And they're helping us broadcast the live feed on their stations. Uh, and they're also doing some live stuff. And the goal is to have all the Hawkamack schools do it uh, for the fall. So everybody can catch every game. Uh so, thank you for bringing that up. We'll see how it goes. Had a couple of glitches to start with, but that's to be expected. But it's something all of us and, and Pandora, you'll agree, are excited. We have our Pete Fasciano, uh, who is our executive director, has been just out in the front uh, trying to get so many things out there for us and for the community. So, it's exciting just to be a part of it.
0: I think it's great, and I I thank you, and I thank the team. And uh, it's really nice to have this resource for the Franklin community.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: As we continue this morning, our speakers are Reverend Kathy McAdams, Reverend Eric Cherry, and Rabbi Tom Alpert. I'm going to ask them to be so kind as to introduce themselves and to remind everybody as to why we're here and kind of what we do with this radio show. And Reverend Kathy, would you have a level of comfort in leaving us off this morning? Wonderful. My name is Kathy McAdams.
2: I'm the priest at St. John's Episcopal
0: Church in Franklin. And Rabbi Tom, would you?
3: Boker Tov, which means good morning in Hebrew. Also, Mo'adim lesimcha, which means seasons of joy, because as a Jewish community, we are in the midst of the holiday of Sukkot, the Feast of Booths, which is known in Hebrew as Zman Simchatenu, the season of our joy. It celebrates the harvest and all of God's gifts to us. It's a, uh, it was the model for Thanksgiving. Uh, so I'm Tom Alpert. I'm the rabbi at Temple Etz here in Franklin.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Tom. And I'm going to circle back just a quick second to um, Reverend Kathy. And um, Rabbi Tom mentioned that this is the season of harvest and and thanks, prelude to Thanksgiving. And I know that you have some harvest things going on at uh, St. John's. And I wondered if you wanted to just give us a quick peek as to what's happening with pumpkins and harvest in general.
2: Yes, I would love to uh, give a shameless plug for our pumpkin patch at St. John's. We'll be open through Halloween, um, weekends from 12 to 7, um, and that includes the holiday on Monday, 12 to 7, and then weekdays, 4 to 7. We have all varieties of pumpkins and gourds at various price points. So come down and take pictures with your family. Join in activities for the children, including a costume contest on Halloween at 3 p.m. And you should know that the pumpkins are grown sustainably on a Navajo reservation in New Mexico, so they provide employment for people there. And the profits help to support St. John's work in the community and beyond.
1: Reverend Kathy, I want you to know that on our show here, Pandora and I don't have any shameless plugs. They're all important needed plug so we thank you for that.
0: (laughs) I think that's wonderful and I love the fact that you've layered how this what looks like just a pumpkin patch but how it supports the community and it reaches across the country to do that. It just makes it huge.
2: Yep and it's a lot of fun you know people are looking for something to do right now especially outdoor activities and and the members of our congregation have said it's so nice to have a way to volunteer right now, so um you know we're we're social distancing and wearing masks and and staying safe, but uh we can also have a little fun
0: wow, uh Reverend Eric, it's tough to follow that pumpkin patch, but um <laughs> how, how are things going with you?. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
4: Thanks, Pandora. Well, all I can say is, is uh, St. John's is on my destination list. I, I'll, I'll be <laughs> headed over there, and thank you, Reverend Kathy, for making that possible for our community. Uh, I'm Reverend Eric Cherry. I'm the minister at First Universalist Society in Franklin, and I have to say I was also a little inspired by what uh, Jay was sharing about uh, broadcasting sports activities, and uh, made me wonder, Kathy, if at the um, Franklin Interfaith Council meeting later today. Uh, we could pitch a uh, a soccer tournament between the religious communities in Franklin. Of course, the <laughs> religious the religious leaders would be forced to play. You know, we couldn't just be on the sideline just to make it fun but um, Jay that also sure. what, what a gift to our community and uh, who knows maybe we'll uh, we'll take um, take a, a cue from uh, from the town and, and the and the kids and put something together for the religious community to do well
1: yeah I'll I think,
2: play, I'll play second base
1: I think something like that would uh, would be the highest rated program that uh, <laughs> frankly TV <laughs> and radio would oh. have ever done. And and we would be honored to be a part of it. We, uh, only we... o-
4: only until people see me wearing shorts, Jack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, I'm in the same place, Reverend Eric. Same place. The COVID forty or fifty pounds just don't seem to be going away. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to blame mine on COVID too. That works. good. That, that's what I've, I've done. It's you know it doesn't necessarily impact anyone. Uh, you're not criticizing anyone else. You're you're uh, dealing with a virus. So, yeah. uh, speaking of that, how are all of you folks uh, doing? Your congregation, especially uh, Rabbi, we have not. Uh, last month you were very busy with your high holy days, so we had Father Manning sit in. Uh, so it's been a couple of months. How are things going with you? Well, first of all, good pinch hitter, uh, keeping the sports metaphor going. Um,
3: <laughs> and second, um, so this has been really one of the most uh, remarkable few weeks, some of the most remarkable few weeks I have ever spent uh, in the ramen of my 18 years doing this, 19 years doing this. Um, you know, they never trained us for how we were going to lead High Holy Day services, which to... to for people to understand is is a big deal for Jews. All Jews who don't come to the synagogue the rest of the year show up at High Holy Days. Um, and so for how we were going to create services that were essentially uh, all virtual and they're all online, actually actual, but online. And so, you know, we worked hard, we got a nice grant from Combined Jewish Philanthropies to buy some uh, uh, equipment uh, that we could use. We were able to, to show something. There were some things we did that people couldn't do in, in if they had been there in person. For instance, we were able to show what it looked like to read the Torah because we had a camera right over the Torah as It was being read. and People uh, uh, seemed to enjoy that. Our, we have a wonderful choir that did amazing work and put together a whole uh, set of uh, use pre-recorded music, you know, where everyone was recording from their own homes and was then put together by people who knew what they were doing. And uh, some of that we did as a separate concert because we had to shorten our services. So we put some things in there. And that was uh, a remarkable spiritual experience. And uh, then we did one semi-in-person thing where we had everyone, uh, there's a ceremony called kashli, which is uh, the tradition that you you're supposed to throw away your sins on, high, on the high holy days and, and come out cleansed. And so there's a tradition that you actually take something and throw it into the water as if it were your sins. And it used to be bread, but that seems to do bad things for the wildlife. So we've been using millet seed. So we had a, a little service uh, over down by Choke Pond in Medway. People were on an FM radio uh, transmitter. They could hear the service. They came out in mass, socially distanced the tashli uh, got to see each other in person, which was great. They hadn't done that for a long time. Uh, so it was, um, it was very wonderful. And then we just, as Jewish holidays go, we just jump into the next holiday, which we're in the midst of. And then everything ends on, uh, on Friday night, Saturday. Um, but uh, it's been, uh, so yeah, I was a little busy in preparation and it's, I'm glad to join
1: everybody again.
3: It's been uh, a special time for our
1: community. That's that's awesome. That sounds like a, an exciting month. A uh, and the alterations that you had to make. Uh, you're right. No one is trained for this. I don't care if you are a minister, a rabbi, a priest, uh, people that host radio shows, uh, teachers. It is a trying time, and and that's great to hear how you overcame it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if people are interested. Most of
3: our uh, services are available. Um, you know, we're, we're recorded and are available on our temple's Facebook page. So if you just go to Temple Etz Hyim, E T Z C H A I M on Facebook, uh, and you're interested in following,
0: yeah,
1: you can see some of what this all looked like. That's great. That's great. I, I hope hopefully you'll get a lot of traffic uh, to the website. How about, how about the other two? How, how are things going with you folks? Uh,
2: so at St. John's, we continue to worship outside every Sunday at 10 a.m. And we're also having people join us on Zoom and Facebook Live, um, which, as Tom mentioned, on Facebook, you can either join us at the time or afterwards, which is kind of a nice uh, feature. And I imagine that we'll continue doing this for some time until the weather Uh, really discourages it. It, it, uh, The way the numbers are looking in the state, it just doesn't seem like a good time to start gathering indoors. So um, we'll continue to be on Zoom and Facebook, whether or not we're outside.
4: Great. Yeah, at at First Universalist, um, our service, Sunday morning services, continue to be online only. We do broadcast from the sanctuary. Um, And, you know, I have to say that um, Uh, breaking through the virtual barrier uh, gets um, uh, more and more familiar each Sunday. Mm. And, you know, I think probably for my colleagues too, we're at the point where people are saying, you know, we're going to have to be able to do this into eternity. You know, even once we're all back in the building, having this virtual ministry on Sunday mornings is really important in itself. Um, And part of what that says to me is that, you know, we're, we're, we're reaching people. And, um, uh, so that's important. So we're prepping for that. Um, the, uh, there are a few more things that are happening outside at first universalist these days. Uh, some of our children's programs are happening outdoors. We had a, um, uh, the ritual part of a minister's ordination outdoors on Saturday. Um, And then we'll be sharing that during our upcoming uh, Sunday morning service. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sundays uh, on Zoom and Facebook Live. Um, And we're excited that um, one of our members, who some of you know, uh, Jennifer Johnson, is um, ordained into the ministry this, um, this coming Sunday. And you know, some of our, our, our social justice work continues to um, be going well, and uh, we welcomed the executive director from Out Metro West, which is uh, a, a, a Metro West organization that serves LGBTQ plus uh, youth in extremely important ways um, to our service this past Sunday. and our um, partnership with the Franklin Food Pantry continues to be strong. Uh, We're excited about um, doing some internal work on anti-racism and um, deconstructing white supremacy through a national program called Beloved Conversations that's designed for congregations that want to do some of that hard work, Um, and um, 20 or so of our members are going to be involved in that program from October through December, and um, we hope it has some important um, change, uh, transformation for our religious community. Um, so that's that's what's happening here.
3: I want to say, this Rabbi Albert, that's all wonderful. But I'm particularly pleased that uh, uh, Reverend Johnson Jennifer is just great, and she will be a real credit to uh, the ministry. I I couldn't be happier. I've known her for years now. I should also say, um, just want to pick up on that. I think that. A conversation that might be worth having at some point on this program is going to be um, what we're learning from uh, doing our services online and what we think services are going to look like. Because I have a feeling, uh, you know, we're going to we're we're also continuing to do them uh, um, online only uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, but I'm I'm curious as to what things are going to look like when we come out and what we're going. What lessons we're learning. Uh, we had uh, more people with us at our high holy days than we've ever had, and mm-hmm. there's some of that's important. And some people, there were parts of being online that they really appreciated. So, how do we mix the two?
1: Yeah, that I I think absolutely. Uh, that's that would be a tremendous conversation, uh, and. I, I, I that's something I'd really look forward to. I,
0: I agree with Jay, and I, I agree with all of you as I listen to your um, sharings about what was happening in your various congregations and how you are using technology as well as using other forms of communication. But it will be different. We're seeing it differently in in our town government we We've seen it with um how we cover youth sports we see it in education, and there will be some good things and how do we embrace them and move forward and uh I like that suggestion of a of a topic i think I think it's one we could all kind of get behind and uh explore before we go on to future topics. <laughs> uh, the way this works is we always uh have a topic in advance, and it's shared with Jay and I, and uh, it's discussed by our religious leaders. And the topic for this week is civics for the religious, and it always takes me back to eighth grade. I think that's when I had my first civics class, and and how does the community engage in government? And after the months, weeks, and even recent days. Uh, I think civics and government uh, weighs heavily on our minds. And when you y- use the religious lens of faith, how does that influence our thinking? So we have election day approaching in uh, fewer than thirty days from now, and we're looking at uh, a sense of urgency. Uh, in our lives, and we're wondering how, uh, how is that aff- affecting your congregations? And I'm, I think I would ask uh, Reverend Kathy to lead us off and maybe share with us uh, what is happening in your congregation with regard to this, and how is your congregation responding uh, as Election Day approaches? The presiding bishop
2: of the Episcopal Church, Michael Curry, has said it is a Christian obligation to vote, and more than that, it's the church's responsibility to help get souls to the polls. He says cast your vote not on a partisan basis, not based on your biases, but vote your values. Vote the values of human dignity and equality. Vote the values of the rock on which this country was built. Vote. End quote. Unfortunately, there are people who feel that politics should not be discussed in church. However, I believe that our life out there in the world, including politics, is influenced by our faith, and it should be. What we do in church on Sunday and what we do in our daily lives should be congruent. Our faith and our shared values affect how we will vote and how involved we will be in our communities. So, we encourage people to vote for issues and candidates that promote environmental, racial, and economic justice
1: that's great uh reverend kathy that that's awesome to hear uh Rabbi Tom, what are you folks doing? Are you doing anything special uh trying to get people to vote or 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 what i'm sure I'm sure you're doing something yes yeah, so
3: uh, the Religious Action Center of the Reform Movement is uh, a major campaign to uh, ask, to, to push for everyone to get out to the polls. We're certainly saying it in our congregation. Uh, on uh, Rosh Hashanah, I spoke about the importance of uh, making a choice of what kind of a country we want to have. I specifically put it as, as a city. Do we want to create uh, a Jerusalem, which in its ultimate, hopeful, best aspect means a place where people care about each other, or do we want to create a place like Sodom, which in Jewish tradition is uh, famed, infamous as a place where everyone just looked after their own and didn't care about anyone else. So we need to decide what we want to be, and that's what every election is about as part of that. So we are absolutely encouraging everyone to get out to to vote. Um, if they're going to vote, um, you know, if they're, if they're concerned about being at the polls, uh, get their ballots in around here. It's actually fairly easy. There are a lot of, uh, you know, we're not in states where there's one uh, uh, drop box for a gigantic county, as they're supposed in some states. You know, each town has a, a drop box. So get in your car, you can drop it off, you can ask someone else to drop it off. You can put it in the mail as long as it's done far enough in advance, but all of those are options. Um, You know, it's, and in turn, I just want to say one thing about urgency, because I, I completely agree with Kathy. This is a terribly important election at all levels, federal, state, local, everything that's going on. These are important choices, and they are urgent at the same time, we as faith leaders know that we play a long game. We are about creating a better world. So whatever happens on election day, we have to, as soon as it's over, get ourselves back to work. It's a little bit like the High Holy Days. They they, uh, produce a kind of spiritual cleansing, and then as soon as they're done, we need to get back and get started fixing the world. So that's what we're about. Um, we Jews have said, you know, our original contribution to the world, I think, was the idea of a God who works in history. So it is, so in terms of, of what are our, is it a religious value to be involved and in make these statements? I think it's absolutely a religious value. That's how God works in history through us.
0: I like your description of religious value, and I also like your description of we have choices to make and, and that's important to, to act on them. And, uh, uh, Reverend Eric, I, your congregation is always so active in social justice matters and others. How are things, uh, how is your congregation addressing this, uh, uh, current, uh, political event?
4: Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 uh... Really agree with my two colleagues about what's at stake here and um, that religious people have a, um, an inherent responsibility to be involved in um, citizenship work, that, that civics are, uh, are an aspect of being a, a whole religious person. And um, part of the analysis that I guess we do as a congregation is to, uh, is to notice how ballot access is being intentionally limited right now Uh, That some of that is related to the rolling back of the Voting Rights Act a few years ago. And, you know, the rationale for rolling back some of those um, restrictions on uh, state activity uh, was that um, the situation in America had changed from what it had been like 40 years ago, that the context was now different. Um, And while I can understand that analysis that, um, you know, in some ways the symptoms of um, white supremacy culture in our country have changed um, at a foundational level, it's still so terribly present and finding insidious ways to infect us. Um, And right now we see that in the purging of voter rolls, uh, in language that uh, threatens the um, Uh, the viability of of elections, of defunding the post office, in all sorts of ways that insidious presence of limiting the number of people that vote is right before us. So our congregation is um, recognizing that and engaging in a variety of ways to make sure that ballot access continues. And um, the campaign that uh, we're a part of is called You, You, The Vote, and it's nonpartisan, it's all about getting people access to their ballots, not about what they do once they have their ballot and cast it. That's, that's not what um, we're trying to influence. Um, and some of that is phone banking, some of that is, um, is uh, uh, texting, uh, some of it is letter writing through a, a program called Vote Forward, a national initiative to uh, remind people about um, their, their responsibilities and, and rights to vote. Um, and you know, as in so many other parts of congregational life that have come up already, people are um, are excited to have a way to be a part of something that matters during this pandemic. And I would say that's um, that's how that's feeling for us.
1: Yeah, that I I totally agree with you there, Reverend Eric. And you you've actually kind of I think in a roundabout way, all three of you have answered the question. One of the questions we had come up with, which was. Whether or not religion assisted America, uh, it, it, trying to get through these norms, the principles, or does it interfere? I think we can easily say it it um, it does not interfere. It helps, and that's kind of your goals. But what I know you all uh, mentioned, Reverend Eric, you mentioned a couple of things. What else do you folks do uh, to try to enhance? what what's going on, well, Jay, I just want to follow up there and and I think that's a really
4: important question and one that's confusing for a lot of people religious
1: and secular um, and well, uh, let let it be known I did not write that question. Uh, so <laughs> if it's an appropriate question, our three oh, leaders wrote I, that question for me, so thank you, Pandora, for letting me say it. <laughs> I, I think it's a great question, and
4: um, I want to just note that I, I've got a pretty simple measure about this, that um, when religion, regardless of which religion it is, is choosing the side and supporting the powerful, um, we've usually got a problem. Um, when religion is at its best, when it's playing it's the role that our country needs it to play, uh, it's a critic. It's um, pointing to hypocrisy. Um, It's recognizing the marginalized and why they're marginalized and what the responsibilities of our national community needs to take in regard to that. Um, So for me, the the measure is not so hard. Where are religious voices showing up and have they been co-opted to support the powerful whether politically or not, um, and if they are, um, that's when I start to fear where where we're headed as in terms of church and state or religion and state mm-hmm. matters.
2: Amen. I I think that too many people conflate religion with patriotism, um, and they're they're two very separate things. I I don't believe. Well, I know God did not draw any national boundaries. People did that and. I don't believe that God favors any country or blesses any country more than another. Um, I'm a Christian before I'm an American. And God loves all of God's children, regardless of where they were born, where they slept last night or who they love. I happen to belong to a denomination that has adopted a a democratic parliamentary form of polity. Uh, So all of our leaders are elected and our policies too are adopted by elective representatives. So I do value those principles, but I use my pulpit and my vote to promote justice for all people, not just for Americans. So we'll be encouraging people to vote. We'll advocate for certain issues, such as the Community Preservation Act, since that promotes good in our community, promotes housing for the most vulnerable. Um, But we won't endorse any candidates. That would put us at risk of losing our nonprofit status. So we're, we're talking about issues.
3: Yeah. And um, I mean, look, we are here uh, on this earth for a very limited amount of time, and we have a job to do. And in in Judaism, it's called tikkun olam, which is working as God's partners for the repair of the world, which is a broken world. That's the world we inherited. It's the world we're going to pass on. But our job is to make it a little less broken, to mend it where we can. And so that... um, Involves us in the world. It involves us in uh, decisions that are made in the political sphere. It, there is no way to avoid that. Um, it is. Uh, it's important. Uh, not just. Kathy was talking about the the how none of us endorse candidates in part because we would lose our uh, nonprofit status if we did. But I think beyond that. Uh, our job is not to talk about people. People are imperfect vessels to move society. They're the vessels we all have. We all are. But it's to talk about the things we want to do in society. And those are, and at that point, you're talking values. And if you're talking values, if you're talking ways to improve this world, ways to repair it, then that's something we all need to be involved in. And that is where religion is at its best, saying this policy, this practice will make a better world, and here's why. And people will decide if they buy it or not and who they think will bring that practice to fruition. That's their decision. I know I've got my ideas, but they're my personal ideas. I also don't give them up. I endorse people personally. I just don't do it uh, in my role as the leader of a congregation. Um, They'll make their decisions, they're smart enough to, but it's my job to share uh, with everyone what I believe Judaism teaches, and it's their job to figure out what Judaism teaches and act accordingly.
4: You know, Tom, uh, strategically speaking, uh, I think it's also uh, smart to keep in mind that if um, if I were to try to convince my congregation to vote for a particular person, chances <laughs> are that they're going to react in just the opposite way. So uh, there's, there's that. But perhaps more importantly, and, and really to your point, um, as much as um, partisan <clears throat> uh, speech in congregations damages the country, it, it equally damages the congregation and yeah. that's not who we are called to be. Um, we are not choosing sides with the powerful. And when we do, I think we're off track. Uh, instead we're pointing to, as you have both talked about the values that really need to be at
1: the center of our national communities. I, I think it's, it, it is great to hear all three of your thoughts on it. Uh, And Reverend Eric, just what you said there, and the fact that we can sit here and have kind of a conversation about this and no one's yelling at each other, no one's blaming each other, no no one's, you know, muting each other or covering their picture. And that's changed. You can't do that. You used to be able to do it when... I did it all the time. Talk politics. Can't do it anymore. It, it's too tough. Have you guys found that that has kind of come into your congregations or, and does that make your job a little more difficult? Why don't we go back to you, Reverend Eric?
4: Yeah. I, I think it does, Jay. And um, and, it, and it asks of religious leaders, like these wonderful colleagues in the room, uh, to be able to hear people, uh, to witness to them to have some way of understanding what leads a person in a particular direction, uh, whether that direction is out of generosity and hospitality or perhaps out of fear and even selfishness and to have a pastoral mm-hmm. response um, in those cases, not to change someone's mind about a candidate that uh, they might be considering. I, I think our role there is, uh, is to listen Uh, to share a a perspective about um, the effects that a policy can have on people in a country that might not be in a person's mind. Um, And then to create a space for the person, regardless of the direction that they're looking at, where there's room for humility, uh, where there might even be room for um, confession. And uh, in my mind, in kind of the religious realm, that's what creates the space for, um, for transformation. Um, so that's, you know, at, when I'm, when I'm really at my best, that's what I'm trying to do. And I won't pretend that sometimes I don't get reactive about it
3: myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and how, how does that impact, how does the culture, you know, around civics and politics affect, uh, you Reverend Catholic and your congregation?
2: Well, I'm not sure I can improve on what Reverend Eric has just said. Um, I just, I, I think, especially after the election, that we're going to have to address the polarization that exists in our country and that will continue regardless of who is elected. I, I fear the potential for violence in response to the election. And so I just encourage people to pray for all of the candidates that God might guide them to right action to promote justice and peace and to unify all the people.
1: And I, I, I think that is spot on. And while Reverend Eric was talking, and this is a little behind the scenes, I pulled up the calendar because we do our show once a month, and our next show is the day after election day, if we stick to our schedule. So uh Rabbi Tom, what can you add? <laughs> Well, I think that uh, I agree with my two colleagues. I certainly know that
3: um, when I'm speaking, I try to make it clear that I am not uh, trying to make people feel guilty if they have a different point of view. And that's hard. You know, if you say, if I say X and they say, well, listen, I don't agree with that and you're calling me a something or the other. And so I have to say, no, I'm not calling you a something. other. I'm saying this is what, I believe and here's why. And we have to talk and tell me what you think. And, and as, as Eric said, you need to, to approach that with a degree of humility, which takes work for everybody, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, and in terms of um, the violence in the future, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very worried. The, I, I know just from a, from my personal perspective, that the, uh, the, Jewish candidates for Congress are getting, uh, th- there's a substantial um, set of threats that are being made and social media attacks that are way out of line with the numbers because they're Jewish. And I am concerned, you know, in general about where this is happening for everybody in our society. I am, uh, uh, yeah, I think we uh, we need to pray that people do the right thing and uh, we need to encourage people to do the right thing because uh, my guess is that the day after the election, uh, we will be sitting there with, well, it looks like, but who knows? Yeah,
4: absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And Jay, I I just want to also add that uh, I think my colleagues are sending us in just the right direction here and um, a word of hope. Uh, So, uh, you know, there are a number of organizations that are kind of helping people to prepare, to be present at at polling places, to de-escalate if anything is happening and to uh, monitor and to uh, help this process to go forward. And I happen to be on one of those online Trainings last night, and there were 1,700 people—the most diverse, you know, group of people that you can imagine in our beautiful country—all focused on helping to make sure that polling places are safe places on election day, and, and for early voting, and for after the election as well. Um, so, the, you know, that that sort of reminded me that um, there's an impulse. Uh, throughout the country to help to make that happen. Um, And um, I'm putting a whole lot of hope and trust as well as uh, uh, a prayer uh, with you both in in that regard.
0: This has been an enlightening discussion. And I think that you have reminded us how we use the lens of our faith when we're looking at uh, civics within our community. You've given us faith to think about. You've also shared practical solutions, which are separate and apart, but they are vehicles as as the community goes forward. And in this day and age, a discussion like this doesn't always take place. Uh, I think we've all been, as, as you have alluded to, in conversations that are more heated and uh, more excited. And it it causes one to step back and and be afraid and you've given us calm and faith and courage that we have important choices in front of us and that we need to look at, at values and how we make those decisions. Um, I thank you for this discussion. It has been enlightening and it's also been very supportive and, uh, I think a healing discussion as we go into what's going to be probably a volatile uh, three and a half weeks. Jay, what do you?
1: I, I totally agree, Pandora. I also, what I take away from it and I hope other people do look at, we just had a, I'm looking at my clock, roughly a 20 to 30 minute discussion on civics and politics and not once did any of us yell at each other. That's, that's what I think in my mind, I wish everybody could do because that's not the case. Uh, and, and it's great to be able to do it because I used as I said earlier, i loved doing it as I was growing up and every, and it's so much harder to do. And that all the credit goes to, uh, the three main people here on our show, uh, you guys are are help us to approach things in such a different light i think it's just so enjoyable to be a part of it and it's so much learning at least on my end uh and and i greatly appreciate that we managed
2: to discuss two of the three things you're not supposed to talk about in polite <laughs> company <laughs>
4: Should we do the third one next time, Kathy? (laughs) Uh, No. No.
1: (laughs) That's great, Reverend Kathy. That's awesome. Uh, Folks, any final thoughts? Yes. Vote. Make sure you vote.
3: Make sure you vote. Vote.
2: Make a plan to vote.
1: Know how you're going to do it. Carry it out. Awesome. I can't say more, Pandora.
0: I can't either. As you said earlier, um, you learned, I learned, and I think our our listening audience will learn from our three faith leaders. It's been a good, good discussion. Reverend Eric, would you like to bring this to a close, with the spiritual remembrance?
4: Sure. Um, and um, I, I, I think that the religious community has a responsibility to help uh, a town like Franklin and all the towns and villages and cities around the country to be able to do this well. That's that's our that's our role. And um, uh, thank you for the opportunity for the three of us to talk over this. Um, I I want to invite people to participate in a in a centering prayer uh, together that um, is something that is easily remembered and can be used at any time during the day. Um, We all know that there are moments when each of us are called to rise and provide active love and care for our families and our neighbors and our communities. And um, I believe that we're best able to do that when we also practice self-care. And so this is a ritual that can help to ground us again and again, um, especially when The fret and the fever of the day have become overwhelming. And so it's a breathing litany um, with a phrase said aloud, followed by breathing in or breathing out after each phrase. And um, this was um, shared with me by my friend and dear colleague, Reverend Rebecca Parker. It's a universalist meditation entitled In This Love. I'll demonstrate and then um, lead us through it. First of all, breathing in, there is a love. And breathing out, holding me. Breathing in, there is a love. Breathing out, holding all I love. Breathing in, there is a love. Breathing out, holding all. Breathing in, I rest. Breathing out in this love.
1: Amen. Amen i i i uh i wish people could see the five of us on a zoom screen breathing in and out uh that's very powerful uh and i'd like to thank on behalf of myself just i've learned a ton today it's been such an enjoyable and believe it or not relaxing conversation and i i I thank all three of you, for including myself and Pandora. Pandora, why don't you, you close us out here?
0: All right. Um, first of all, I thank Jay for leading us through this. I learn from Jay every week. <laughs> I do. I... That's
1: scary. That is scary. <laughs> we may need another prayer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am so new to this whole radio thing. I thank you very much, Rabbi Tom, Reverend Eric, and Reverend Kathy. I thank you for your leadership, your kindness, your thoughts, and your teaching. And Keith, I thank you as the technician for making this show a reality from voices in five different locations to uh, one recorded sound.
1: Uh, Again, folks, thank you so much. Uh, For Dr. Pandora Carlucci, I'm Jay Harrigan thank you so much for joining us. And and all we can say is vote, vote, vote.